I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. It's Fried Squirms. Yeah, and we're back with a, uh, a big episode, man. It's our 20th episode. It's our 20th keep episode. Is this the first time we've ever done two episodes in one day? Yes, I believe so. I'm almost certain. Maybe. Uh, maybe. So on the big two zero, we did yeah. two. You know, I didn't think about it that way. That is really cool, man. So big day on, on a couple of fronts, right? Right. Uh, hopefully... Uh, if this is your jumping in point, yeah, please go back and listen to that episode. Yeah, because we we are in awe of this movie that we just watched oh, man, nice. uh, called Savage Land. Yes, and uh, we, we have got we, to yeah. do an interview with one of the writers slash directors really slash cool, one of the hyphenates. Yeah, like I said, there's there's three different gentlemen who worked on this film as writers, directors, and producers. And this gentleman, Simon Herbert, reached out to us, uh, and you know he he allowed us or gave us an opportunity to view the film and we both liked the film i think you know to say fair enough to where we wanted to reach out and, and help promote it perhaps and uh yeah so make a long so story this, short especially because this is happening in the same day yeah uh even though you're not gonna hear this episode till probably about two weeks later that's gonna it, if this is your jumping on point, please go back and listen to that one. He please. is an extremely cool guy. Has yes. some cool stories. Very generous. Very nice. Like I said, uh, just gave us like I said some uh, some really cool information and uh, just had a, a really nice experience, man. Overall, it was really. And I think cool. we're still both extremely hyped yeah. that this happened. Like yeah. it's it's kind of setting in a little bit. Like beforehand, yeah, there was a nervousness going into it. Like of afterwards, course. it's not nervousness, but I almost feel even jitterier. Like yeah, it, it's. For for me, it's like a uh, like a sense of an accomplishment, you know, mm-hmm. in, in a way. But uh, you know, in a way that really, that I, like we weren't reaching for it, so to speak. It just the opportunity came, and you know, we figured why not. And it was the coolest opportunity yeah. ever. I'm so glad that we got to do that. Yeah, yeah. that's that's an experience I'll always remember. So I'm very thankful for that. Not only for you being a part of this team, and you know, and Simon reaching out so he could uh, you know help us along the journey. Yeah, and however. That's not what we're here for. Yeah, for this episode. But you know, big shout out to, to big shout out there. Simon, Phil, David, the and out on Savage Video Land. on Demand, iTunes, Google Play, Vudu, Vimeo, yeah. Xbox, Xbox. Yeah, so check it out. Check it out. However, today we're going to get I our think twentieth, yeah, right? our twentieth episode. We're going to get straight probably into the How Did That Make You Squeal? Yeah, let's do of that. Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie yeah. Vernon. Let's squeal. How does that make you squeal? So we're talking about our twentieth film, right? And this Behind one, the mask, I like the way it's Vernon. like the way it's entitled too, from two thousand six. Yeah. By the way, we since we've been going through slashers, last we saw was Scream. Yeah. We're jumping ten years in the future. You know, that's a good point. I didn't think about it in that in that way, but yes, ten years down the road, we get uh, Leslie Vernon, right? The rise of Leslie Vernon. So up to this point, we've been establishing all these icons and stuff. And this is where we're starting to put our own our own take into this a little yes. bit. Because I think for us, this was the next first off, this this movie, like Scream was meta. This is even this is even oh, wow. more beyond. This is in your face. Yeah, I mean this is this is uh to the point where it's it's uh it's mapped out for you. It really it's absolutely mapped out for you. Behind the mask the rise of Leslie Vernon, I mean, it's about a guy who's trying to become a slasher, yeah, the next, and hires a film crew yeah. to follow him around, making a documentary about his basically his first entry into his series is what it would be. I think that's a very good uh, synopsis of what of what this in, entails. This movie, and I feel like this movie is way too overlooked. I agree, honestly. If you're a fan of any slasher. Freddy, Jason, Michael Myers, fucking Chucky. Chucky, yeah, I mean, you can name them, you know. If you're a fan of any slasher, you should also watch this movie. Yes, because it, it does a proper job of explaining who these characters are and possibly why these characters are. In some ways, better than we do on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, you, you know, and, and the thing about that is... Because you don't want to get hit with, uh, you know, trying to trying to be too, I don't know, um, mainstream about what you're trying to say and what you're trying to characterize or whatnot. But uh, this film engrosses exactly what a slasher is, I feel, all, all the way down to its, you know, its bones, so to speak. Down to it. And the documentary style is awesome. The I like the way they do this, yeah. 
Also, this movie's kind of weird because the first two thirds are almost a comedy. Yeah, uh, there's there's several parts in it where it's very lighthearted in a sense, you know. And Leslie is charming as fuck. Yes, he uh, the, the actor who plays him, uh, which we'll delve into in just a second here. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he does a really great performance. He's a very likable character. You know, he plays the part the way it should have been done and uh you know he hats off to him because this is another film in our collection where not really done on a huge budget man this is a kind of a micro budget film as well right Mm -hmm. so um you know getting somebody to play the the main character in a film you know it takes a little little brass to go out and you know just pick all the anywho you know but like i said this guy he he does a great job man yeah fantastic job i mean this movie I wish I wish I would have seen it as soon as it came out, but it still goes back at least to like 2008 for me. It came okay. out in 2006. Uh, well, maybe. Anyway, all I remember is the the cover of it always entranced me because I guess there's not a formal name for Leslie when he's the killer. That's but, a good point. Yeah. But Leslie's mask is actually pretty fucking creepy. I like it. I mean, it fits the realm of. Like I said, those slasher uh, characters. And so I eventually got around to watching it, and I have loved this movie ever since. Uh, This is probably one of the movies I have watched more often than a lot of others in, like, the past five, six, seven years. You know, that's uh, that's a good point, because I can see the reason why. This is a film that, you know, it's one you could share with your friends, uh, you know, just casual viewers for, for that instance. But I think anybody who appreciates a good horror film and, like, likes a good story, this this is a great tell. Oh, definitely. Oh, my God. Yeah, so good. So, I mean, what do, what do we want to jump into? On I'll, I'll talk. We'll, we'll start off, like, I guess, um, we'll talk about the directors, more like, the te- I guess, the technical side. Uh, director Scott Glosserman, like I said, he's more famous than you know for this, right? Um, he's got a few other credits, but not nothing major. I uh, don't want to give away too much, but um, I'll talk about maybe a future credit, perhaps. Okay. Um, so he's more, you know, like I said, more well-known for this film. Uh, he also helped write it along with uh, a gentleman named da- uh, David G. Steve, I think his name is, or is it David J. Steve. Production companies for this is Glenn Eckel uh, Entertainment and Code Entertainment. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was a director. I'll look this back up, but I believe he grew up in an area uh, in Maryland called Glenn Echo that kind of uh, paid homage to the name of the town, right? That's okay. set in. So, anyhow, I think that's why part of the production companies named that. And I think there's. Something about a carousel that you see in the opening credits that goes back to a carousel, I think, in his hometown. Okay. Yeah, so you kind of see that in some of the production uh, you know, credits whatnot. Uh, so before we start getting into the yeah. cast, there's there's a couple big cameos. Oh, definitely. That I feel definitely almost... I feel like we're, we're not going to touch the two big cameos here. Okay. Uh, the other character is a big enough character that we should probably mention that he's in this. But yeah. the... One of them's literally like three seconds, and I think we'll hold off until we're into the guts and bolts to bring those up. Uh, that's that's a good point because it's almost almost background trivia, and I think you can probably guess who the other one is too. Okay, yeah. But we will point out like a lot of this movie is mostly just referencing other horror movies. It really is, and like I said, it's it's an an homage film to like I said to the slasher realm, which I won't say coincidentally, but you know, in in a really cool way, the way that like this horror movie web we've been weaving is connecting the dots is uh like i said it, it's it's going back to like like i said what the what slashers are about we've been doing slashers the whole time so this is a great film right into the entry and it follows like i said a, a series of what we've been doing and in some ways this film is also like it's scream for dummies <laughs> that's a, yeah that's that's probably a good way that's a really it. mean way of describing this but, movie but yeah but you know not everybody likes slasher films you know what i mean but for somebody who, like I said, could probably watch this film even for its humor, uh, I think they'd still get a kick out of it. And well, and here's the other thing: like, so if you don't understand after just watching them that most other horror movies are based on the plot yeah. from Halloween, and then you also don't understand it after <laughs> you've watched Scream, yeah, this movie hammers the point home. Well, you know, the whole point of this movie is it's just taking this giant fucking mallet and just hammering the point into the heart of oh, your brain. Oh, I mean, it, yeah. That's right. I just said the heart of your brain. <laughs> like I said, this this is a movie that follows a certain narrative. And uh, if you haven't been following us up to this point, you should start off probably with our what our Halloween episode and 
catch up to speed because it, it gives you an idea of what we've been doing and what this film is essentially about. Oh yeah, definitely. So you hit director, uh, distributors, which is a real. I like this uh, distribution company's Anchor Bay. They help with the uh, 2007 theatrical release and Stars Entertainment as well for the 2007 uh, theatrical release. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got some box office numbers. I didn't really get the budget for this film in terms of its you know its filming budget. But it doesn't seem like it could have been too much. I, not compared to probably what it what it grossed overall. I, I, I wouldn't imagine it would probably cost. I hate to even risk the guess, but I don't know. Like I said, micro budget could mean mm-hmm. less than a hundred thousand, maybe. Definitely. Yeah. So somewhere, oh, definitely. Yeah. Somewhere in that range, I would say I definitely wager less than a hundred thousand. I I'd say less than fifty twenty. Oh, that's a, yeah, maybe maybe so twenty five twenty somewhere. In there. I'd say less than twenty. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but in their return, I guess uh, in March of uh, 2017, they made a little over $38,000 back. And I think they grossed around $69,000 overall here in the States. Its release date was October 13th, 2006 is what I've got down for the release date. And, you know, once again, I do like taglines. And this one has a pretty mm-hmm. tasty tagline. Uh, Ooh, I didn't actually look that up. Yeah, so. I like it. It says, Jason Freddie Myers. We all need, excuse me, we all need someone to look up to. That's a perfect tagline for this movie. Yeah, so I was like, you know what? We'll find out why they chose those particular three gentlemen and maybe beyond. But anywho, I think that was a really cool tagline as well. No, so the... Have have the... Uh, okay, so obviously one of the, the sort of main-ish characters <laughs> has been in something big. There's There's been... Yeah, there's <laughs> but been... But how about... Though. So we'll start with... So Leslie is kind of our main character. Yeah, and this gentleman's name is uh, Nathan Basil. As far as his, his uh, credits that I've gotten written down, he was in a television series called Invasion. Oh, okay. So I guess, you know, hey, who was... I never in, did watch Invasion, but... I, I know about it, but I, I might check it out now that I know he's in it. Yeah. It's like, um, from what I understand, it kinda, it's, it's kind of based on a town that has, like, series of these eerie, creepy events that happen. I'm not sure after a certain disaster, natural disaster or whatnot. I read a little bit about it, but it seemed pretty cool. Um but he's mostly done a lot of editorial department work, um, and you know, in films and I guess television series. So he's got his more, more so or less, his hand in uh, editing. And he, you know, he's done some credits, but mostly television. Uh, probably more well known for this role. But he's also done a lot of commercials as well. So, hmm. yeah. uh, and then I'd say Taylor. Yeah, Taylor Gentry was played by uh, Angela Gerthels. I, you know, a cool credit I saw. She was in Home Alone, and I think I might oh. know which part she was in. I think there's a part where there's like a, a little montage of of um, Macaulay Culkin. You know, he's playing Kevin. And mm-hmm. uh, he has like his cousins over, you know, because they're getting ready to go to the airport. And they're kind of like dissing on him, you know. And I think one of them, she's speaking in French to him. And she says, this is what it means in French. But I think that might have been oh, her. Wow. I think that might have been her. I'll, I'll have to go back and look to confirm it. But uh, that I think she was cool. in that sequence. If she wasn't? Uh... She was one of the cousins. To Macaulay but Culkin ho- in the hopefully film. Hopefully she was. That'd be cool. Yeah. Just because it'd be cool. She was also in Jerry Maguire. Okay. Um, Spanglish with Adam Sandler. Oh, And uh, another credit I thought was really cool, because I really like this show. I'm going to plug it. It's uh, Six Feet Under. Oh. Yeah. So if you haven't seen Six Feet Under, she was on an episode of that. Great, great, great uh, television series on HBO. But anywho, she played a pretty cool part in this film. Let's see. I want to save... I think you can guess who I want to save for last. Okay. So uh, I guess the only other like big characters... I mean... The camera guys are in it a lot, but most but of the point really... you don't see them; you only hear them. Even in like some of their their credits, I mean, there's no discredit to them, but they're mostly known for like indie films. And uh, I think one dude was in a, a television series called Elevator. Okay. I'm not too familiar with it. And then you have uh, Eugene. Well, Eugene and Jamie, Eugene, but yeah. uh, Eugene, I know that he's in at least like one horror movie from back he's been in the in some day. pretty cool stuff man he was in uh he's in walking dead so mo- some people might be more familiar with him in that oh shit uh i don't really follow that i mean that's probably an error on my part but you know there's a lot of stuff we've been following i'll, I'll give it some time he was in a really cool movie this is a movie that um it's black and white it's kind of from the 60s but the way it's shot it, yeah why don't i watch walking dead he's herschel that's crazy yeah. okay um this this movie I'm about to mention is called In Cold Blood. It's based off a Truman Capote uh, story, mm-hmm. but it was shot um, like I said in the '60s, and, the, and William Blake was one of the main characters in that film. And and that is a great film. But he's in that. Uh, he was in Young Guns Part Two with uh, 
Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen and uh, Lou Diamond Phillips and all these other guys. And he was also, I think, in an episode or two of The Twilight Zone. So those are okay. some of the credits that I got for uh, Scott Wilson, who plays Eugene in this film. Which he has a pretty cool uh And he's character. in Judge Dredd. Oh, so yeah, I mean, he's got a lot of credits. I'm, I mean, I only wrote down a few. And as far as, I mean, horror cred goes, he he was in Ninth Configuration. Cool. A film by William Peter Blatty. Oh. Did The Exorcist. There you go. I didn't know that. That's really cool. So there you go. There's another connection, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I believe he might have been nominated for an award for that. Wow. Uh, awesome, man. I knew he had a, a big hand in getting another... Oh, uh, he got the he got a nomination for a Golden Globe for a Best Supporting Actor. That's really cool, man. Uh, it's also known as Twinkle Twinkle Killer Kane. <laughs> that's really, that's a pretty cool, cool pretty, uh, name for that. I like that. Yeah, he does a good job in this film, man. Like I said, he doesn't have a huge part, but uh, he's got a cool bit in this, I should say. Right, and then there's there's a bunch of sort of like you a group of kids. You had mentioned Jamie, right? I did write down a few of her, her credits. Uh, that's Bridget Newton. She played Don oh, Wilson's yeah, yeah, yeah. wife, right? Yeah, Jamie. Uh, she was in Man of Steel, so one of the Superman movies. Oh, okay. Um, I can't remember exactly what part. She's in the Silicon Valley, if you're familiar with that show. And um, this is kind of interesting because we had mentioned... I think a writer on maybe I'm trying to think it was in one of our one of our previous films, right? But uh, it has to do with the Dawson's Creek. So the she Dawson. W- she was on the Dawson's she Creek. She was on the Dawson. Yeah. Okay. So we had mentioned, like I said, uh, I can't remember if it was a director or a writer that lived in an area in North Carolina that kind of was based on that. I'll have to I'll oh, have to look that gentleman's okay, name up. Cool. But I was like, oh, there's another Dawson's Creek. Yeah. Reference. She's on the Dawson. She's on the Dawson, man. She met Pacey. Basically. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you mentioned like some of the, the teenagers, right? There was a yeah, few. There's a, yeah, there's a few different teenagers towards the end that once uh, again, they all don't really one, have the biggest parts, but... One of them was Kelly. She yeah, plays... Kelly... She's a blonde. Oh, yeah. Okay, I suppose we should probably mention Kelly. Kelly's she a bit bigger... She was a pretty cool... Uh, part of the plot than the rest of the gang. Yeah, she had some pretty cool uh, t- uh, credits as well. I think the the ladies listening are more familiar with this, and probably the gentleman is uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Okay, she's in that, um, so look for her in that. Uh, she was in a movie with Will Ferrell and Zach Galifianakis in the campaign. Oh, I yeah. never did see that. It's a good film, man. It's funny. It's uh, you know, if you've seen either one of those guys' comedies, then you you'd be familiar mm-hmm. with the comedy style. She was in another movie that. I'm guilty of watching because one of the guys that plays in it was we just watched a, uh, a trailer for Dumb and Dumber the way it was styled. Oh he yeah, he played in the uh, the prequel like how Harry oh. met Lloyd or oh Sarah. gotcha okay. But uh, anyhow, she was in Fired Up, which is a cheerleader movie about some mm-hmm. football okay. players not want to play football. They become cheerleaders. It's funny. Uh, anyhow, and she was in a show called Persons Unknown. So she's more she was more involved with that television series. Oh, okay, yeah, so that. She plays Kelly as Kate Miner. Sweet. And, yeah, and like I said, the rest of them... There's at least... Yeah, there's three that I'd like to mention, but we're going to reserve I love that. the credits on some of them. Stoned guy, slightly more stoned guy. Yeah, I mean, I didn't write down, like, any of their... I should have, probably, to their credit, but, you know, I was like, they're just stoner guys. They're just the stereotypical stoner guys in these the slasher films. A la, maybe, uh, Crispin Glover? Yeah. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> a little bit, but not, not so much. Not so much. Maybe more so Teddy. No, yeah, I did mention I've loved this movie for a long time because this is the how did this make you squeal. This movie makes me squeal in a big bad way. Yeah, As man. I mentioned while we did Scream, I love meta stuff, and this continues like said, to expand it had so much it more. Meta. Yeah, man, it's really cool. I like I love the way they do this because there's some really cool nuggets all throughout the film. So, and, and the thing to keep in mind is like the the world in which this is based is all these slashers have been real. Yes, exactly. So keep that in mind. You might have as well been watching documentaries this entire time, basically. <laughs> exactly. Which is kind of a neat idea, really. I'm and that they all exist in the same universe is also really fun. I like that. Well, I mean, I guess if you count comics, a lot of them do. I think with that, we can probably get into the guts and bolts. Oh, we should probably give a warning, I guess. Yeah, I, I think that's that's proper because we do that typically. So uh, with this in mind, when I think of, uh, you see a little bit of nudity, right? So there's, there's, some, uh, there's some breast here and there. Mild language. Yeah. Well, there's there's some nudity, but it's not necessarily all that. It's sexy. not gratuitous, right? It's just you see. Well, it's gratuitous in that it's not needed, but exactly. That's the only gratuitousness about it. It's just 
if you're familiar with seeing a boob, it's nothing out of the ordinary. And then there is some sex later on, but you don't see any nudity with no, it. No, no, no. Exactly. And it's just a quick, more played for comedic effect than anything. Uh, although it is, right although now. it is decently, for not showing anything, it's decently graphic sex. Yeah. Um, so you you definitely get to hear whatever sounds. that means. Yeah. Uh, language. Yeah, language. There are there is some scenes of violence, but it, I would consider it mild violence in comparison. To yeah, what I was about to say there's watching. a little bit of blood, but it's not. Yeah, it's it's minimal. It's uh, even that the worst one is still kind of played for laughs exactly. and isn't really realistic. It's but it is kind of decent gore effects. It's there's, just not real. Like it's not realistic. It's played for laughs, but it's good gore effects on what's there. I agree. It's you know for what it's worth, it's it's it does a good job. You know, and his that. mask is definitely kind of creepy. Yeah, so I mean, you get some creep factors. Like I said, you get um, if you like I said if you've watched any of the slasher films or if you're familiar with slasher films, then you should be comfortable watching this film. Oh, definitely. I, I'd say this is tamer than any of the other slasher films yeah. we have already covered. Even yeah. tamer than Halloween, other than the nudity, because there's no nudity. In you know, the, the cool thing about this. Oh film, no, yeah, there is. The one chick gets the one chick the blonde gets topless in Halloween. Oh, like so, so yeah. Just, yeah, it's not a big. Never deal. mind. But what I was going to say, the cool thing about our podcast, right, is not only are we giving you a history lesson, but if you like history, watch this film because this is a, a history lesson of sorts. Oh, shit. We forgot one actor. There's yes. one that I wanted to hit oh, before nice. we go yes. into it. Speaking of history, speaking of somebody we've already hit, Robert England's in this. Yes, he is. That know? should draw you in. He's in a slightly bigger part than the rest of the extras. And should, should we mention the part that he plays or should we hold off on that? I mean, we can. His name is Doc Holleran. Yes. So there's homage to that in it, in and of itself, and we'll mention that. But like I said, if and you're, he does a good job. He does a really good job. And if you know what Robert England looks like, it's very noticeably, very obviously him. Yeah, they don't try to play him as like Freddy or anything. They don't. They don't go that far. <laughs> no, but it's it's cool. Like I said, it's cool that he was in this film. And even I think it gives it more um, zest, a little bit more life, a little bit know? of street cred too. Yeah, man. You, if anything. It's never that, you, there's you two other cameos that we're not man. mentioning here. They're, no, for reasons. And we'll get to them. Yeah. Uh, one of them's kind of a blip. Little Ben's a little bit longer, and we probably could mention it now, but we're not going to. Because no, we'll reserve the right because, we, you know, it's, our, it's, it's why we do things. And with that, we're going to dive into the Guts and Bolts. Guts and Bolts. Guts and Bolts. So yeah, we're ta- we're in the guts and bolts now. We right? are in the guts and bolts. So we you had something really quick you wanted. Yeah, to. you know, I was talking about the Dawsons, and I got off on a tangent, and I realized that the person we were talking about was actually the writer for Scream. So it's it's funny that we're you know that we're coming back to another film. Like I said, follows not only the the way that we've been doing these, almost like it's a chronological order. Uh, but you know, once again, we get another connection with the Dawsons, man. But uh, the guy's name is Kevin Williamson, so he's the writer of all of the Screams franchise. Oh, wow. uh, so yeah, he, I guess he grew up in an area that actually had a Dawson's Creek. Creek. Yeah. Yeah. So that was in oh, North Carolina. It's Dawson's Creek. Yeah. Up here is out, we're up here at the Creek. <laughs> That's right. But anyhow, I just wanted to throw that out there, so we got that clarified. But yeah, we're in the guts and bolts now of Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Now, I've been kind of I've been kind of mulling this over because the way that we usually go through the guts and bolts, this yeah. is going to be another interesting one. We've had to do this I for agree. a couple episodes because we could break down every scene for you. Right. But the fact is, every scene in this movie, up until a point, oh, yes, breaks itself down immediately after i agree i totally agree they literally tell you step by step what they are doing and why they are doing it throughout this movie because it's a documentary so yeah you don't shoot a documentary without explaining certain aspects right of whatever you're filming so i think i think part of how we're going to have to talk about this is to immediately skip ahead towards the end for a little bit because here's the thing and maybe this, maybe maybe you're the type of person who doesn't mind spoilers. Right. I kind of don't mind spoilers for some movies and will intentionally go well, search some out. Hopefully before you even listen to this episode, so maybe this is a spoiler in advance. It's like, if we're going to format it this way, watch the movie first. So that way you can catch up with us and you'll understand what we're doing. But here's the thing, like, I, I'm the type of person for a lot of movies. Right. Not all, but for a lot of movies, I don't mind spoilers. And for a lot of movies, I'll seek them out if it's a movie I know that I'm not going to watch right away. That's a good point. That's a good point. If you're that type of person and you're listening to this episode to try to decide if you want to watch this movie, 
one of the cool, awesome things in this movie that is kind of a spoiler that you don't want to give away when you're talking about this movie is that two-thirds of the way into this movie, it turns into a horror movie. It does. It certainly does. This movie isn't just a black comedy mockumentary. This movie turns into a horror movie at the end. And I really like Shot that. as a horror movie. There's There's a bit earlier on where you get that for a second to sort of show you that they'll do that yeah that's a good point it's genius in that it does end up following pretty much everything they told you it was going to do yeah i agree i I totally agree and here's a big part of the twist do you want to give it away now um i mean it's up to you i mean i'm not opposed either way because like i said we could go through this movie but I mean, and I think there, there's parts like I want to bring up. I'm sure there's things that you want to bring up, yeah, and so course, like, we're not gonna right. we're not gonna not go through this movie at all. Yeah. But for you need to watch this movie first off. Oh, like, uh, it's a must. It doesn't make sense to to explain these scenes though because they explain them. No, I mean, in that regard, it, there's a couple things do. that are good to explain. Yeah. I do think so. So yeah, we'll, we'll start more, to do this. Yeah. But here's the big twist. The other thing that might pull you in. If you don't care about spoilers, but here's the big one. Taylor's the final girl. Yeah, so if you're following along with the story and characters, Taylor, she's a reporter is what she is, mm-hmm. right? And the whole point of her is just to document who Leslie Vernon is, right? The whole point behind the mask. So you're getting to see a glimpse behind the mask of who this person is. And she's uh, part of this crew who's documenting the whole, the whole this whole movie. Unbeknownst to her, she holds a key. Knowing that upon rewatching, I think that's one of the things where there's there's at least one very important scene that is not important at all your first time through. Right. And my second time through, my third time through, I didn't catch it. When I had to sit here and try to write down notes yeah, for this podcast, there's one thing that I noticed that jumped out to me where when you know that she is the final girl... It come, becomes a little bit creepier, and it yeah. makes me uh, admire... I can't think of his name, unfortunately, but oh, Leslie. Nathan Bell's, yeah. Nathan's uh, portrayal of Leslie even more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he does a fantastic job. I can't stress that enough. Really, though, the, the movie is... He's explaining that he wants to become the next killer. He kind of always balks at quite explaining it. He's like, this is sort of something you... You have to figure out. You have to be here and experience it. Uh, I can't tell you what this is. Right. You you do have to be a part of the experience and under to, to understand the whole method. Right. Like I said, if someone explains it to you, there's a big difference between ex- explanation and word format, and then seeing it visually. And in some ways, that's another thing that this movie does. When you sit through it and you go through it, it tells you. And it shows you oh, yeah. what the purpose of it all is. So you get both. You get both spectrums on that. You don't get... Like I said, it's... it's Maybe like, not to the extent that Taylor gets shown. No, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. But uh, just as a whole, as a narrative on a whole, it's it's a cool way of like so weaving the story together. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, whole, it's mostly a series of little... I mean, it's documentary style, so it's right. cutting between these things. But it's the raw footage. So we get a lot of the in-betweens, and that's where you get to know the, the cast and crew a little bit more. So you actually do care about them yes, by they, the time the, the last act of the movie rolls They around. make themselves to be you know, so likable, they're, they're curious, but they're a little on edge, too, because they're, they're unsure of exactly what they're going to get in return from this person. right? I love how throughout it, the cameramen... They want to keep going, but it's Taylor that's really calling the shots. Yeah. And so whenever she's like, okay, we're going to do this, they're like, yes. yes. No, I, I did notice that <laughs> in, in certain scenes because you're right. They're, they'll go just as far as she'll go because, she, like I said, she is the voice of, of what they're doing. And, I mean, he literally shows you, like, so we, we sort of discussed this a little bit yesterday as we were working out some technical details for recording and stuff. Right. This movie essentially explains how halloween happened it's not exactly what happens but pretty close but it's it's close enough that you he's showing you how michael myers does what he does he's showing you how they suddenly appear in these places and he suddenly makes it all believable yeah you're like wow this because it's another aspect of it like said seeing behind the curtain behind the veil is uh you don't you don't get to see the part where they're they're doing all the prep work there's prep work involved with all of this. 
right off the bat, too, they really start throwing off the references. Uh, they yeah. start... There's a news report that mentions killings at Crystal Lake. Yeah, there's there's uh, Crystal Lake. I, I even wrote these down. So they talk about Crystal Lake. They talk about uh, Haddonfield and Elm Street, right? Or Springwood, right? Mm-hmm. So these are all three films. You talked about Crystal Lake with Jason Voorhees, right? He goes over to Elm Street in, in Springwood, Springwood, right? Which is so where you get Freddy Krueger. Uh, do you want to mention who's... Haddonfield? Yeah. Mike Myers. Yeah. Michael Myers. So this is... They talk, They give you kind of a history lesson a little bit, right? They said now, all this takes place about and, 30 years and ago. And here's the first big cameo. Very yes. quickly. When they're, I like, in, I like it too. when they're in Elm Street, mm-hmm. they pan over and there's a guy... He's like trimming, I guess, like um, just the, the hedges of bushes, right? In big his guy. Yard. Yes, very noticeable. And he kind of doesn't like the camera, and he goes inside. Yeah, they're they're trying to get a maybe a candid interview with him. Yeah, they're yelling something at him about a know. about a Mr. Kruger. Was Frederick. It? Frederick. Yeah, Mr. Frederick, Frederick, and that's when he cuts him off. Yeah, that's or what something. it was, Mr. Frederick. So yeah, um, oh, that was cool. So if and you're not familiar with that guy, Kane Hoddard. Kane Hoddard is. He played a lot of Mr. Voorhees's, what, like from the seventh in the entry all the way through like X, I think. Something. I don't remember. But so he's, he's, in like four he's, one of the, he's one of the notable Jasons, yeah, Jasons in a big bad way. Yeah, so it was cool that he got a cameo. And he this. gets a lot of big shout outs in the credits too, I noticed actually. Yeah, no doubt. And then, I mean, we'll skip ahead to the other cameo, I think. That's a good I mean, point. I mean, we can pop back to other things. Well, yeah, that, because that like, so we didn't mention there's, there's cameos in this. So another one. Which is later uh, on. Super uh, dope that she's in this. Oh, it's so good. Well, and it's also kind of a neat thing for this film. Yeah. Uh, so later on, there's a librarian character who's set up. You know that she's going to die before you even see her. They even mention it. So it's a dead giveaway. No, if no you don't know the tropes already, you already know she's going to die by the tropes. But then they tell you. Yeah. That she's going to die. You know, so, it, you know, there's no spoiler in it because you know. At this point. And... Played by Zelda Rubenstein. Is yes. it Stein or Stein? I'm, Rubenstein, Rubenstein. I'm, I'm now I really know. worried about my name pronunciation because I, earlier on I, I, I found out tomatoes. it was Len, yeah, it's Len Wein. Yeah. I, think I said wine. Len Wein, wine. Sorry, Len Wein. That's okay. You know, we can always And I call that. myself a Swamp Thing fan. Uh, it's it. okay, man. We're, we're human. It. We're prone to error, right? I said, yeah. I suppose I said Neil Gaiman for the longest time, too, that but happens. it's Neil Gaiman. We we always I eventually just had to hear it. There's some words anyway. I'm I'm just as guilty, but I mean, who's not? But, I know that I've heard it before too. That's the only thing that's bugging me. Oh, but, that's cool, man. Uh, who is? Ext- it's not a movie we've covered yet, or really a genre that we've covered. We've yet, maybe really. partially mentioned it, and the reason I say that is because my my sister is a real big fan of of the film that we're probably going to mention here in a second. But um, yeah, my sister Ashley is a big fan of this this series. And, and she was in uh, Poltergeist. Poltergeist, yeah, which so, is a huge <laughs> horror movie. She has uh, a really famous. I'm sure we'll eventually hit it, so. but, or at least come close. But we haven't really even done. Have we done Ghost Story of any no, kind? Oh man, we haven't. There's a lot of subjects we haven't touched, but that's okay. That because we have all of those avenues to you know to, to walk down. So that's. I mean, that's yeah. So whenever we decide to do a Ghost Story, that might be it. That'd be a good one, man, because it's in the name Poltergeist. So uh, yeah, Zelda Rubenstein, she's more or less uh, well known for that, right? I wrote down a few super well known for that. Yeah, she had some other pretty cool. Here's yeah, she does I, have some cool credits. You want to hear a cool credit, real quick? Yeah. Um, she was the voice of Darkwing Duck's mom. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, that's a neat one. Didn't know that. What else did you, you have other things for here? For Zelda, uh, I had that she. Okay, here's one that I. I know oh yeah, by the way, somebody named Zelda. Yeah, just so hello. You know, and this is way before the video games. Yeah, so she's, she's a precursor to the most awesome. Well, one of the most awesome video games in human history, I would imagine. She was just old school Zelda. She was yeah. OG Zelda. OG Zelda. She was in a movie that I mentioned briefly because of an actress that's in this movie. She was in Teenage Witch, right? 1980s flick. Had uh, an actress named Robin Lively. Who happened to be in the film Wildcats, right? And we'd mentioned some actors already in Wildcats. So Teenage a, Witch is an absolutely, amazingly, horribly so bad you must absolutely yeah, one no, million percent it, watch a pantheon, movie. It's in the pantheon of those '80s films that go watch Teen Witch. For I will put it this way: I would stack it up against some of these more recent films. Um, not not saying that it's a great film, but it's it's worth watching. 
go watch at least Gene once. Witch. At least once. At least once. But yeah, she plays a small. She plays a part in that film. <sighs> I almost did it. Uh, she plays a part in that film, but I was like, oh man, there's another reference to you know Robin Lively and mm-hmm. like I said, Wildcats. And, yeah, and Wildcats. Uh, yeah, which is a reference, like I so said, almost back to Friday the 13th because one of those actors we talked about who was high on the horse, right? Mm-hmm. He was in Wildcats. That's right. Yeah. This, unfortunately, was Zelda's last role. Yeah, it's sad. Uh, she did pass after this movie. Yeah, like, I mean, I was I was almost going to use another word I was going to say shortly after, but mm. uh, too soon. Uh, right. And I didn't even mean it in that sense, but... Uh, yeah, it it wasn't it wasn't you know too soon after that she passed away unfortunately, but it was cool that she got that part. She did she did a really good part, and she used a particular voice in a scene, right? Her voice from Poltergeist. Yeah, to tell a a, a tale to Kelly, who we had mentioned, Fifty Shades uh, of Kelly. <laughs> Ooh, you know she, Kelly was pretty cute. So yeah, she's freak too. Uh, maybe at least thirty shades of Kelly. Yeah. yeah. Let's see. Uh, what else was I gonna say? So there's. <laughs> There's another a bunch of references packed in. There's a one huge one that I foreshadowed very specifically. Yeah. When we were talking about Friday the Thirteenth Part Four, I pointed out who the producer was. Yeah. On that and most of them. uh, There was a name we said to keep in mind. Ray Mancuso Jr. Yes. Leslie's name ends up being revealed truly to be Leslie Mancuso. It's not Vernon. It's is Mancuso in what Vegas they said? But yeah, Mancuso would. Reno, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it it was a, a big shout out to, like I said, a producer of the uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street series, right? Yeah, I believe uh, at the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. Taylor is standing in front of like the Red Rabbit. Yeah, that, so that was uh, that was a pretty cool homage too, because I, I noticed that. I think even had it written down. Let's see, yeah, it's it's a uh, the matchbook that Doctor yeah. Loomis had found from the nurse, right? Right. He got abducted. Also, if you didn't notice. Robert England is basically just playing Dr. Loomis. Dr. Loomis. You know, and it was purposely done that way, too. Now, that was cool because there's a reference into what his character is. We may even mention that before, but there's a, there's a term for it. Right. And so I did sort of write down all the, the sort of steps that they mentioned because I yeah. felt that that would be a little bit more helpful than actually like breaking that. down this movie. Yeah, because you don't have to break it down all the way down to its We've core. broke down this movie by doing all the other movies, and then this movie breaks itself down. Yeah. So like I said, if you kept up with this to this point, you know there's a formula. There's a format to these films. He starts by making an anchor for his legend. Exactly. Which we see in all these others. We got Halloween you need a story, with like right? the, the killer kid on Halloween. Yep. And you have the, the child killer and this and that. His, you got, uh, what, like killed by the the town? Yeah. Thrown over the falls? He was essentially, he was like killing a, his family? He was a bastard child, right? Who wound up killing his mother and father. He was a rape baby, wasn't he? I yeah, think so, he was yeah. He rape baby. They make mention of that a little bit later on with, with uh, the way they play with another, mm-hmm. another character, but you're right. He eventually got, uh, I think, accosted by a mob of villagers, or like the town people, threw him over a waterfall, and he's supposedly died all those years ago. Yeah, he used so to have, to like, he used to have to like till the fields, and that works into the but, legend. Yeah, the legend has to do with, uh, with a harvest moon, a blood harvest moon. And he used to have he, the only thing he was given was the sickle, and that's what he uses yeah. as a slasher. And it, yeah, it's pretty cool. Our scythe, but yeah, it's it's really cool. Like I said, he's got a, a nice weapon, nice mask, cool backstory, right? Then one of the big main things that it's one of my favorite. Oh my god, comedy wise, it's one of my favorite scenes, is in most comedy movies, right? <laughs> Fuck horror at this point because but yeah, yeah, I like comedy. His scene. Much comes very quickly after that where he's explaining you have no idea how much cardio i have to do i love that scene and it it, it makes sense why he says it in the way he he you know portrays and that it. basically awesome. is he gives the explanation for michael myers right there yeah he's Jason like he's like these kids michael keep myers. running away and when they turn around you have to look like you're just walking but you have to keep up with them and yeah he's like it's a lot of cardio <laughs> You know, he has some pretty cool lines about, about the cardio. He then, said it's tough. Yeah. Then the next step is find a target group. Yeah. So what I liked about that is it starts off like kind of landscaping um, or, you know, like scoping out high school kids basically, right? Groups yeah. of different groups, sectors of high school groups, right? Cliques, you know, whatnot, characters. Yeah. Yeah. He was basically, he was, he was scoping out cliques and he points out that it, 
it has to be slightly diverse. Exactly, yeah. But still close-knit enough that they'll kind of keep together for a bit, and they won't just all completely bug out. Which we even alluded to with, with certain films, like, why are these characters here, but they fit into it through certain associations, right? Mm -hmm. There you go. But the biggest thing is, there has to be a survivor girl candidate within the group. Absolutely. That's a must. So he points out some shit, but he's already got a group on the back burner. Which yeah. also gets pointed out to him, and he does not seem amused, which I fucking crack up laughing at every time. It's really cool. You know, one thing I like about that scene, too, is you get this, like, really innocent girl, like, kind of, she's strolling through as he's telling them about each of those groups that he's, you know, picking out or he's been scoping out. And they think that that girl might be the survivor girl. And he's like, no, it's, you know, he's like, I already have one in mind, basically, right? But during that scene, there there's a little girl skipping rope. Oh, that's right. Okay, yep. So, like, so there's another homage to uh, our Nightmare on Elm Street. But the cool thing, too, about that is, like, he's already got this picked out. But it just so happens, there goes a girl that could have been a survivor girl. And right after that, when he's celebrating, is one of the things I love from this movie because it was so ridiculous. And so we're going to recreate it right here. You cannot see us, but we're going to recreate it okay. here in the studio. And we're going to pound it and bow it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> pound and bows. I did write it, that down. Bow it. Pound it, bow it. I did, I did write that down because that's a pretty cool scene. And I invite all of you listeners to now pound and bow it with your friends. Yeah, because if you've watched this film, and if you haven't, uh, you'll understand the reference. Pound it, bow it. Pound and bows. Uh, then I, I, thought, here. I thought the Eugene and Jamie oh. thing was really neat. Should we, should we explain the pound and bows or just let them? No, just let them okay, watch yeah, it. Yeah, Fuck yeah, it. Fuck it. Watch the pound it. and bow it. Okay. I love the Eugene and Jamie stuff. You know, I did too, man. They're really likable characters in this film. Really likable characters. Now, he was the good guy in the horror movie he was in, Ninth Configuration. Okay, okay. I didn't so, read too much about that, but okay. I'm curious. So his character was he was a retired slasher from exactly. more of the olden days when it was a little bit more well, one like and from done. from the 60s, 70s, yeah. like the 80s maybe even. Yeah, so we're talking a little bit more like, like, like pre, splatter film sort yeah, of like slasher. Yeah, like pre-Michael Myers and pre-Jason Voorhees, a little bit before that, right? And he, he breaks it down how, if you haven't listened to the other episodes, he breaks it down how they changed the game. Yeah, he did. He said these these characters, these boys or these guys, uh, he said they did. They changed the whole landscape. They they became legends is what they, they were doing. And I actually made a note of it that he has a speech that starts at 21 minutes, 55 seconds into the flick that really breaks down a lot of what it is about slashers and stuff all together. Now, the neat thing is with Eugene and Jamie... First off, Jamie is a nod to Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, exactly. That was cool. So that's that might be not so obvious, but if you've been following and you know what these films are about, Jamie is an obvious name for obvious reasons. Especially because she was a final girl. Yeah. And, and perhaps... Who got away jeans? enough to the point where they eventually fell in love? I think so. And then they, she's like, I caught you. Yeah. Which, yeah, I think is a very much kind of like kind of a tongue in cheek, like yeah. Michael Myers, Jamie Lee Curtis hooking up sort of thing. That's but funny. I do kind of wonder because he does mention that he was from the old days, and the thing I wondered most about them is what do you think his slasher motif was? His. His. Ooh, that's a good question, because I never really thought about that. Um, I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot, and I'm trying to build an entire character, but... Okay, let me think about this guy, because he said he's from the old school, right? He's from the old school. I would think maybe in Little Towns, Drifters, like camp, Campers, maybe? Mm -hmm. So maybe in that realm, so I'm looking for, like... I said Hitchhikers. I think he's more of a hitchhiker kind of killer. Oh, I wasn't thinking necessarily Hitchhiker, but now that you said that, that, that fits a lot better. Yeah, I just think in that time period, 60s and 70s. It, I think you were more prone to seeing. I think you're right. I think you're right. Drifters. He was probably more of a drifter, hitchhiker type killer. Yeah, I could see him being like like one of those guys picking people off the highway. What do you think? So I w I would think like big like heavy coat, probably just like plain tee under it or something. I could do that. Or yeah. just plain shirt or like work shirt, probably button up if it's like seventies. I could see that, and you know, like or sixties leathers jackets and things like that were probably really popular. So it would been common to see those around. And when he's killing. I still think he must have wore a mask of some sort. What do you think his mask was? I'd say it was something simple. I mean, six like grindhouse style. He, he was probably wearing like a sack or something, right? Gosh, that would be that would be yeah, you know, probably something of that nature. Something kind of simple. Even like a ski mask or something like that, you know, yeah. which I think would be common around that that time period. 
Let's see where I mean, it was supposed to be set in. Well, the the story was supposed to be set in Maryland, even though they shot in Oregon. Yeah, they shot in Oregon, but but he's supposed to be up in Maryland. Yeah. So So, ski mask, it gets cold. You know, considering it's it's you know see, but but that throws that throws off. I I associate the hitchhiker drifter a little bit more without less. You know, I I didn't think about the location either, Maryland. I mean, it still happens for sure, but (laughs) yeah. In which case, he might have just been rocking a big ass scraggly beard and shit. It could have been, man. Instead of a mask. Time periods were different. I have to study the history of that area. Anywho, I know I'm getting too much into it. Oh no! I mean, that's that's kind of, I was I was curious I about this when I was thinking about yeah, these it. Characters. And and then that's a, one other thing. What do you think his weapon was? Probably simple. Man, I always I would think probably just a good old knife, man. Of some I was, especially the way he was chopped up those carrots. Yeah, I mean that's he I, no he butchered those things up, but it was it was really precise and bam, you know. So I'm thinking, yeah, it must he have been good. like butcher's knife or something. Yeah, I would say he's probably had a pretty nice switchblade for quick action. And then, like I said, if he was getting more involved, probably instead of butcher's knife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, I mean, that once again, though, that makes me think maybe not Drifter. I, mean, I feel Drifter is more, more like a I'm crowbar thinking of, killer. I'm thinking of that area, too. Like, it's Virginia. I mean, not Virginia. Maryland. And, uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure what the motif would be there. Yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. I don't know. Especially, I, mean, I'm, I know, I, I've been thinking about it a little bit more, and I still can't come up with something. Nah, I've okay. kind of put you We're on just the ballparking it right now. It's okay. It was fun, though. I like it. Then the next step is the red herring. Yeah, and they which in, what the red herring is which is a uh, a kill that's close, that's connected, but not not necessarily enough to connect anything. Exactly, it's just uh, like I said, almost happenstance, just enough to kind of rattle the feathers. And it's kind of neat because like this is a, there's a neat little mentor moment even because Leslie wants to go off and kill a friend, and he's yeah. like, no, that's. The heat a little bit too much. Let's, yeah, let's dial it back. Dial it back a little bit. So, like I said, they they want something that's close to home, a little indirectly involved, but just enough, like I said, to, to cause the GP creepers. And this is where we get one of our actresses we talked about, right? This, yeah, that's the library scene. We get Zelda. Yeah, uh, so and this is also the introduction. Herring, right? Yeah, she ends up being the red herring. Yeah. Because they decide, thanks to Jamie's suggestion, they decide on the librarian. Yeah, and I like how they set all that stuff up. It was really cool. Yeah, they sh- yeah they show you. Even explained it. Once so again. neat. Oh my god! Yeah, and he's jumping all over the place like a little monkey. That yeah, was man, funny. he's excited. Uh, and this is where you also get the introduction of Robert England. You do as and Doc Holleran. Yeah, and the Doc is is an homage to two different I think characters or locations. In The Shining. Shining is Doc from from my name Danny from uh, from The Shining. And the Halloran, let me see. Yeah, and so Dick Halloran uh, from the same movie. We talked about The Shining. J- of course, we talked about Jamie. So Dick Halloran was a, a reference in The Shining as well. Mm-hmm. So they just, it's a mashup of, of Doc and Halloran. And he's the Ahab, which is kind of yeah, what we like mentioned with Dr. Loomis. Yeah, it's a great term. He's basically playing Dr. Loomis. He's yeah, playing uh, whatever Dickhead's oh, name was. The guy who had the machete in... The had Jasons. And, uh, I'm blanking here for whatever and reason. And in the last chapter or whatever. He's oh, you're talking the, about like dude Rob or whatever his name yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. kind of the entire town in Nightmare on you Elm know, Street. There, there was a, uh, in the very beginning of those uh, Friday the 13th movies, there was an Ahab in the first yeah. two films. We just skipped over those. Yeah, but there, I mean, but no, 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 I was just you know looking upon it now. But you know, it, it is a central character in these films, slasher films. Child's Play kind of has characters becoming Ahabs in weird yeah. ways. Yeah, good point. Because I mean, this is all we've been looking through the evolution, obviously. So it's not always this one concrete thing, but no, that character is there. Yeah, that's a good point. And they kind of explain that as well. Someone with knowledge of sorts, right? Someone with knowledge, someone who's willing to fight the darkness, who's the symbol of all that's good. Exactly. So you need you need a, a balance to all this evil. That's where the Ahab comes in place. Uh, they go through some stupid shit. What I thought the neat thing was was like they they even did breakdowns for things that. That you wouldn't think about. Yeah. But that pop up a lot in these movies, like the closet being a sacred place. It's really cool. I like I like the um, the way, you know, they, they use metaphors a lot, you know, in symbology, what they were symbolic of. And I like the way they it's use It's the that. womb. Yeah, it's the womb. And then they gave uh, another scene. What, it's like, a what sacred the place because in the womb you're pure. Yeah. And I, I looked up a word because they used a word 
That was Yonic. Yonic, right? It's an actual word, and there's actually architecture based off of it. There's actually stadiums, like uh, sporting stadiums, based off of Yonic. And what that, that refers to is the opposite of phallic, right? Which is more male, you know, similar. That's not, he's like, that's how he explains lady it. Parts. He's like, think opposite of phallic, lady parts. Yeah, lady parts. So it's it's the lady bits. Yeah, it's inspired by lady bits. So by lady bits, and I'm not, I'm going to be polite, it's, it's the vagina and, and possibly vulva, but like I said, it's a, it's a lady bit. So it's, just, like I said, just the opposite of phallic. But they use the term yonic. I thought it was cool. And after you watch this movie, you can see all this happening in all these movies. Yeah. And it, and it, it makes perfect sense in the way that they, they use that, that symbolism and the, the whole term itself. And then they just fucking sort of hang a lantern on some of the, the weird shit. Like, I like that, yeah. How it's like when they're talking about the, the downstairs windows, like, wouldn't they just break them out? Well, you, you would think, think so. That. You would think that, right? You'd think that. But no. no they, they only ever go upstairs, and you start watching these movies. And how many times would we Do watch them run upstairs? upstairs just to knock out a fucking window? You know, and there is a scene which I thought was absolutely hilarious after watching. I think it was the uh, the Friday the Thirteenth Part Four, right? The final chapter, where the, the Kelly winds up like going out the top window. I was like, "Holy shit!" That was the dog, and that was Trish. Dude, the fucking yeah, even the dog did it. What the fuck? Even but the they, dog he did called it. it. He called it right, and we got to see it get played out in this film, whether or not we were totally paid. I was kind of paying attention to it, but and he called it. as we look back through these movies, start to think back on. The ways that they take out the enemy. And to one of my favorite lines in the entire movie, she empowers herself with cock. Yeah, I thought that was awesome. And the final girl. What he's explaining, right? And by he, we're talking about Leslie Vernon here. Usually grabs hold of a giant weapon, right? Phallic weapon of some sort. An axe, a shovel, you know, what have you. Now, there's something I noticed uh, when taking notes that. He says along with that, he says, she grabs my weapon. Yep, my weapon. Because it's it's all about the female empowering herself and yes. taking over the man and this and that. Now, the neat thing is, later on in the movie, mm-hmm. she takes the large weapon as he intended, which I thought was stupid of her because she, she knew it was up. Yeah, exactly. She and it works as he intended. But... The way she finally beats him in the end is by grabbing his weapon. She literally wraps around and grabs his scythe (laughs) and stabs it with him. His sickle, his hand sickle. That's a good point. So he, once again, was already planning it. Yeah. She grabs my weapon. You know, like I said, you could have, I think it it was appropriate in both senses, right? That you could have took it you know, like I said, metaphorically, or you could have took it, or figuratively, or you could have took it literally, right? In that sense. And they play out both. Both ways. And I thought, that's brilliant. That's a brilliant way of interweaving both of those. Yeah, I thought that was just... That's genius. Just great. Just the words, she empowers herself with cock. Yeah. And he was polite about it, you know, but he was telling her the truth. And by her, we're talking about Taylor, you know? Really, the last part is the genius part. Yeah. Because when you're watching through this movie, like we said, they tell you, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And we get up to the last part, and things are changed, because suddenly now they're in it. Yeah. And there's a reason behind that. he still forces them, so good, on the fly. Yeah. Into all of those situations, yeah. and you've seen of enough behind the scenes that you can almost you can almost do the behind the scenes yeah, of what you, he's doing. You're playing. You're already playing them out as they're happening, right? I, I think the biggest thing that I mean, the last thing I actually took notes of, even though it's only two thirds of the yeah, way through the movie, is that the coolest piece of advice, because I guess it really would work if you want to survive in any of these horror movies. Yeah. Don't hang out with a virgin. Absolutely true. Run like a motherfucker. Yeah, it's a, there was a perfect Don't line. try to hide. Yeah, run like a motherfucker until sun comes up. And how many of these movies <laughs> would that have just worked? If they would have just Probably picked a point and ran. Picked one point and, and ran. You don't, like I said, you don't change your route. You just keep running straight, essentially. Just keep running. You just go. They, like another one I like this says, don't look behind you because when you see what you what's behind you, you're not going to like what you see. Yeah. So don't do it. 
Don't do it. Uh, Did you have any other big takeaways from this movie, really? You know, like there were certain things that that played out in the film that I really, really liked. Um, Like, so one of them was actually the very beginning when he was explaining that whole opening sequence with Kelly, the the chick that... Oh, okay, yeah. There's a scene where it opens up and it seems very suspenseful. You notice that it's uh, like a young uh, teenage waitress at a diner. I realized I realized after I skipped over that part of my notes. Oh, no, I think okay. he mentioned that as the flyby or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and he mentions that. And he says, just enough to spook him, right? Just mm-hmm. enough to kind of put him on edge. But I like the way that not only did you see it at the beginning, you was you were kind of uncertain where this film was at to begin with, right? And then he explains to the film crew how all that played out. And they helped him with it. And he was just tickle pink, man. I was like, I, li- I love that because he's... Not only is he explaining how he's doing it, he's getting them involved. So that way they know the process behind it for themselves as well. And it, it seems like the That's fact the that tone. they were involved in that portion of it mm-hmm. is one of the things that seems to hit Taylor later on. Yeah, when exactly. they're like sort of grilling her, like, how long have you guys have been following us? And she realizes, like, we didn't just, like, follow you. Like, I fucking pulled the goddamn brick. Oh, that had reminded me of something else. That There's I some pretty cool little, like, some takeaways in this film, man, but... Either, like I said, there were certain scenes I liked, like how he was explaining the whole setup in the house, like how he was booby trapping, or you know, essentially. And she makes mention, like she said, "Isn't that cheating?" He's like, "No, the game's already rigged against me." Like, yeah, I'm, I'm at a severe, severe, statistical yeah, technically. severe disadvantage. He's not lying, but it was cool because he had he set everything up perfectly, and they all played out the way he explained it in this film. And part of what this makes this movie so good is he is ridiculously charming in his role. Yes, but he, he is. does get kind of scary at times. And you almost get that what they call the, um, the Stockholm syndrome, where you feel you start to feel empathetic and sympathy for for the actual killer or person who's keeping you hostage. Even though he's not holding them hostage, little do they know how very big they're going to become in this film. You know, this whole documentary they're filming. Oh, I forgot that uh, a lament configuration box can be found in the movie as well. Yeah, there's a it's scene on Eugene's like desk. early on where she's interviewing Taylor. I think this is after uh, Leslie in, uh, takes them, the film crew. Taylor, it, it, she winds up asking questions. But yeah, you do see a shot of the table in that configuration box. There's a scene, too, that I was going to mention because I, I got it memorized. Also, you get to see a car in this film, right? Eugene's driveway? Yes, you do. It's the same car used in a huge film. We haven't we've talked about, but we haven't really touched upon Technically it. Technically, two huge films. Because yeah, that yeah, same yeah. car was in the reboot. I agree. Yeah, no, I'll say I agree. It's true. First yeah. one, second one, right? This is a 73 Oldsmobile Delta 88 that was used in the Evil Dead and the Evil Dead Brown. Suit. Yeah, same color, same make, same model, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so if you're familiar with the car, and it's also if. I'm not sure. I, think, I want to say it's also in Ash vs. Evil Dead. I believe you're right. Yeah, because he I mentions that car right. all the time. You know, we can probably do some homework on that because I have a feeling we have something very Evil Dead related coming up kind of soon. But that I thought that was a really cool fact because you see the car and they even show it. Like I said, it's just seeing those little nuggets like they were paying you know, oh, homage to all those there things. Was, there was one thing, other big thing that I noticed upon all these rewatches when I really had to sit down for details. Right, right, right. And it also involves when they're at Eugene and Jamie's. Okay. So beforehand, when he was explaining how he hoped the party would turn out, he mentioned the fact that his final girl, or who he was telling them is the final girl, Kelly, right, right. it'd be good that she's not drinking. At Eugene's house... When he gets done doing his cryo chamber and he comes back in, he notices that Leslie grabbed himself a beer. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, you know, good. You know, I'm glad you grabbed one. I might grab one here in a second myself or something like that. And he offers Taylor one. When she turns it down, the camera lingers on Leslie. And he's, like, trying not to, like, look over at her and smile. Oh, dang. Yeah, you know, that's that's really cool because this is a movie that I would say, upon first viewing... Just watch it to enjoy because it's an enjoyable film. Oh, extremely enjoyable. But if you want to really the get the black comedy details, part of it is yes. great. Because, like I said, there's so many cool little nuggets in this film and little, like I said, little tip offs that you're going to, you're probably going to miss. I mean, uh, no offense, but it's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Just watch it a couple times because it's a really enjoyable film. And there's, so there's one other huge thing that I want to point out. Uh, it's, I think we're pretty close to the end of this. Yeah, that's okay. But, just because I can't think of what else to say at this point, personally. No, that's cool. 
<laughs> I don't know about. It. Is there any? I mean, is there anything else that really huge that you want to hit for sure? Because not necessarily. Like I said, I mean, because there is one big thing that I found that I contributed to that I want to bring up. If you have watched this movie, if you plan on watching this movie, yeah. uh, if you enjoy this movie a lot, I think people would be very interested in. Okay, is that we're finally. If you already like this movie, if you've watched this, if you knew that we did this episode and decided to watch it for the first time and now you like it, this or that, you know, however you like this movie, if you want to see it continued. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. There's currently an Indiegogo campaign. They're continuing the story in comic book form. Uh, it's called Before the Mask, The Return of Leslie Vernon. Yeah, that's awesome, isn't it? So it has been So announced. I want to plug that. Uh, they are currently very close to their goal, and there's a month left. That's awesome. By the time this comes out, there'll still be at least two weeks left. Wow. So, so yeah, there's a month left. Um, I, like, so they're, I mean, they're I'm in no target, way actually but... connected to them, In that, other than that, I'm a fan, and I found out about this. That I definitely really backed awesome. it myself. Yeah, that, that, that'd definitely be worth it. I mean, if you're, like, so if you're a fan, or even if you're not, and you just want to contribute to something that's, uh, you know, like I so said, something that, that gives people joy, and it's... It's a really kick-ass story, you know. It's it's worth having out in the universe. As of us, us recording this, there's a month left, and they need just uh, uh, like a hair over eleven hundred more dollars. Yeah. So you know. So hopefully they'll have hit it by the time you guys hear this. But if not, no, please go as, as much or as little as you, you as you can. You know, every little bit helps. I know. I personally want to see this happen in Likewise, a big bad way. That would be really awesome, man. Uh, very big bad way. So yeah, and just looking at this this page, the Indiegogo page, man, it's sweet. It looks really good. So once again, that's before the mask, the return of Leslie Vernon comic, which is very weirdly labeled as the sequel slash prequel slash remake <laughs> hashtag spree make you've been begging for in a six to eight part comic series. That's pretty awesome. And so, they give you a treatment of the first cover. Yeah, I dig it. I think that's really cool, man. So we'll see how that turns out, man. But like I said, they're really close to target. But any contribution would definitely help. And I'm sure they'll probably there are some incentives for certain goal, you know, levels. Yeah, I can't remember which one I actually chose, but I know that I'm getting some sort of goodies. That's with pretty it, sweet, so. man. So you know, keep that in mind. So with independent filmmakers and directors and just people who who contribute to that side of uh, the industry, you know, keep in mind when you when you do contributions like that, you're helping in a major way. So you know. As, as a token of their appreciation, you get some pretty cool swag. Not necessarily that it's going to happen every time, but it's a cool way of, you know, being connected to the to the films or this media. And this, the, this the easiest way, really, to keep seeing and hearing and whatever yeah. shit that you love is by contributing. Shit yeah. That so, so, yeah, so keep in mind, any time that you, you know, listen, you give a, cl- you know, a click, a like, if you can contribute monetarily, what have you, just just keep in mind that you're you're helping promote you know, the, the, these platforms. With that in mind, I think we're going to promote ourselves for a second. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's Please. that's kind of what we do a little bit, too. You know, we're not, we're here for fun, but, you know, we have to promote ourselves a little bit. Uh, watch... If you still haven't watched this, go watch it, please. Yeah, like I said, I, I was I was really happy to watch this film again because it had been. If you like any years. other slasher, this movie will make complete sense to you. Oh yeah, I'm, like I said, down to a science, as a matter of fact. Lee. So yeah, um, check these these films out. Check out a good starting point, maybe in this this particular genre that we've delved into is start with Halloween, then catch yourself up to speed. Yep, you can follow us on Twitter uh, yep. at Fried Squirms on Facebook, Fried Squirms. Yeah, we're still there. Uh, we have a website, www.friedsquirms.com. Yeah, which, you know, it's looking good, man. Looking if sharp. you want to keep subscribed to us so that you get our latest podcasts every time they come out, yeah. that will be iTunes, We're still uh, there. SoundCloud, SoundCloud yeah. Stitcher, TuneIn, yeah. Google Play, wherever you can find your podcast, basically. Yeah. I'm sure I'll find others to get us going on to at some point here. Yeah, so, you know, we're going to continue, uh, let's get into content tell. We're going to continue to delve into some really cool films. We've got one lined up that's going to kind our of Our next round one out, right? is going to be our rounding out of the slashers. Yeah, so we've gotten to the almost, well, up to this point, one film removed from the conclusion of our little history, you know, our walk. This and, is our, yeah, film. this was our penultimate yeah. slasher walkthrough episode. I mean, we, we definitely hope that you enjoyed 
at least the characters in the films that we chose for this. And, you know, and if not, you can voice your opinion and let us know which ones that you felt like we should have or maybe well, that you'd and, like for us to do in the future. And to get you prepared, the next one is another one that's comedy with a little bit of horror at the end. I agree, yes. Uh, and it's Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Yes, and that's such a And it plays with the genre even a little bit more. Yeah. In, and, a, in a little bit more well-known way than Leslie Vernon, I think. Yeah, like I said, there are, there are two different films. They play on, like I said, some of the same motives, you know. But, but it, they, this one plays on it in a much different way that I, I, I find man, extremely I totally inventive agree. and fun. I, I, I'll i mention it, of course, when we get to the film. But the first time I'd seen it, man, I was, I was like, man, this film was awesome. Yeah, it, really it, it absolutely blew me away. Likewise. I can't wait to share you share it with you guys. Yeah, like I said, we'll, uh, we'll definitely delve into that. And that way we can round it out properly, the slasher films. And then that gives us a chance to open up a whole different can of worms. Oh yeah, so to we speak. definitely have had can of worms like what you did there. Like what you did there. Segway. Yeah, we have something planned very soon after that. Uh, we're hoping it'll be the very next episode, but even if it's not, it'll be soon. And after that, it's kind of open, and I think we're gonna get really fucked up again. I think yeah. we're gonna go old school. Man, we've got so many, like, so many avenues that that are opening up to us on so many different levels. Right? I think we're gonna go make sure to look at some sort of monster. Yeah, there's there's always monsters creeping right, in the dark. I mean, we've been tossing around a lot of ideas, and I think yeah. we're going to make sure to hit at least so, yeah, every so one we're, of them. We're still open soon. up to ideas too, right? So, as as our listeners are listening, uh, share share your ideas with us. Let us know what you oh, would yeah. like. If there's um, something that we've missed or something that we don't know about, squirmcast at gmail.com to email us. Yeah, email us too. Like I said, even on our website, um, you know, you can contact us on there as well. Facebook is another popular medium that we use a lot. But anyhow, reach out to us and we'll be more than happy to reach out back to you as well. And for Fried Squirms this week, I've been Tyler. I'm Danny. And we love you. Yeah. You have a good night.